0: So, Mark. Yeah. Even though there are no roads per se in the movie we're discussing this week, it is very much a road trip movie.
1: Okay, I, I could get on board with that.
0: So, before we get into all of that, I was wondering what your favorite road trip movie is or are, if there's multiples.
1: Well, if we're calling this a road trip movie, then my favorite would have to be a little film I like to call The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship <laughs> of the Ring. <laughs>
0: There was the moment where you were like, "Well, if we're calling this a road trip movie, and I was like, "Wait, should I be saying the Lost City of Z?
1: I have not seen that, but the Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, is the first in a trilogy of films <laughs> set in the World of Middle Earth based off of a novel divided into three parts by the author j. r. R. Tolkien.
0: Is this related to that Amazon show that just announced twenty new actors?
1: <laughs> That's so many actors um yeah, I think it." It's a sequel to that that came out first. Oh my god. I hate how excited I am.
0: I just love every update that reveals to me how much money (laughs) they will have spent before shooting a minute of it.
1: It's crazy because they have another massive fantasy series going on at the same time too.
0: Right, they have Wheel of Time. I don't get it. Well, no, it's because Jeff Bezos in a meeting like four years ago demanded that Amazon get the next Game of Thrones. And I guess their like acquisitions team took that to literally mean get the next high-profile fantasy adaptation and not the next big culturally driving show.
1: <laughs> I mean, the funny thing is they are now tackling the two series that Game of Thrones was written to interrogate and deconstruct. Right. Anyway, Fellowship is essentially a road trip movie because it is a group of friends who meet up at a party... And decide that now's the time to hang out with my buds, go for a long trip, bond as friends, and accomplish a goal. That goal does not get accomplished for another six hours. I was about to say. (laughs) (laughs) And also someone dies along the way. But there's a lot of bud time, bro out. There's like five minutes of that. The rest say, of it is just anguish and male tears. spend a
0: ton of time together, and most of that time is not good.
1: There's actually two road trips in the book, because the trip to Rivendell is very separate from the trip to Mordor. But, you know, it's just guys palling around.
0: <laughs> all right. The first movie I thought of is one that I was really into in high school and have not revisited because I'm sure there's no way it's good. Which is... A little scene in 2008 comedy called Fanboys, which is about a group of I've friends heard of that. who grew up really into Star Wars. And they find out that one of their friends has cancer and is not going to live to see the release of Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. So they go on a cross-country road trip to break into Skywalker Ranch and see the movie like six months before it comes out.
1: The crazy thing is, no movie is ready six months before it comes out.
0: Right, I know. obviously, Phantom Menace all would have been shot, but that movie's mostly digital?
1: Yeah, there would have been no Jar Jar Binks.
0: It would have been Ahmed Best with a pole on his head. Yeah. Maybe better? I don't know.
1: Yeah, I, I've heard good things, but I don't know if it's worth revisiting.
0: <laughs> the Phantom Menace?
1: No, Fanboys.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have the Blu-ray somewhere, but it will probably stay unwatched for a while yet.
1: I think I watched road trip or something similar like European trip or something along those lines of road trip. (laughs) uh no Uh, one of the sex-based road trip teen comedies that they have
0: oh yeah I I believe it is called road trip
1: and one of the things that sticks out most you could edit this out because there's a lot of blue stuff coming if you want and (laughs) I just want you to know one of the things I remember most about this movie we were watching it in high school and it was a cheap ripoff you know, bought off the street from some vendor. And so it had subtitles that were poorly translated English. So it was in English with bad English In English with bad English subtitles. And at one point they're at a carnival and the lead character is short. So Carnival Barker yells out, hey, Bilbo Baggins. But I assume the Chinese man that was translating it didn't know what that meant. So in the... In the subtitles, it said, hey, dildo f-.
0: Oh my god.
1: <laughs> and it was so much worse than the joke in the movie. And that is the only
0: thing I remember about this movie. And it is so drilled into my brain. The weird thing about that movie is, I am pretty sure the movie Sex Tape is based on it. Because isn't Road Trip the movie where it's like they have to go across the country because, like, a VHS sex tape of some of them has been sent like mailed somewhere, and they have to get it before the recipient watches it?
1: I think this is like the European road trip where, I don't know what it's called, but it's like he has a pen pal in Europe that he thought was a man, but it turns out it's a hot German woman. So they have to like road trip and train across Europe for him to have sex with his hot German pen pal before he leaves Europe or something.
0: Oh, you watched Euro trip?
1: Euro trip. That's what I, again, I remember so little about this movie besides, hey, dildo, (laughs) fact."
0: yikes. Yeah, no, Road (laughs) Trip is what I described. It's a Todd Phillips movie about the uh, people who have to cross the country to stop people from seeing his sex tape. And then in like 2010, they made this other movie, which I guess is not officially connected. Now I'm on Wikipedia trying to find out. All right, sex tape appears not to be officially based on Road Trip, but definitely is because that's the movie where Cameron Diaz and Jason Segel's sex tape accidentally gets distributed. But, like, it's the internet, so they have to go through, like, all those, like, weird, this writer doesn't entirely understand the internet kind of thing to try to get their sex tape erased from the online
1: well so on the note of sex tapes and dildos this week we're talking about a dreamworks movie welcome to we
0: love the love a hollywood romance podcast i'm mark and i'm gay and i'm will and i'm a ginger this is an investigative podcast committed to examining the least important issue facing our world today which sex road trip movie did we watch
1: (laughs) (laughs) and are these people actually people or are they even likable or just cavemen
0: Wow, it's kind of upsetting that you don't think cavemen can be likable.
1: I mean, these are the questions we're investigating, because these are the prejudices that Guy has.
0: All right, that's fair. So, uh, it doesn't matter if the romance is a main plot or a one-scene flirtation. We will dig in, and this week, after a long hiatus, we haven't talked about one since Sinbad last July, we are taking a look at the romances of DreamWorks animation with a look at the 2013 caveman movie, The Crudes.
1: So this movie, I remember making no impact like full nothing burger but it now has a sequel coming out and it had a tv show so i think it may have been a thing where i was just like too old and at the exact wrong age to pay
0: attention so i don't think that's entirely fair because every dreamworks movie has had a tv show Okay, yeah. There was a spirit show. There was a How to Train Your Dragon show. There were two Kung Fu Panda shows. They even made a Puss in Boots show. And as we know, there was no Puss in Boots movie. They also have the Penguins of Madagascar show. Which I think is in a separate continuity from the Madagascar movies.
1: Well, it's just about the penguins. And somehow the lemur is at the zoo.
0: Right, I think it is fully a separate continuity. Yeah. Uh... All right, but, we got to talk about the elephant in the room, Mark. What? The Croods is kind of good. Yeah, so I was going
1: to say, I was very pleasantly surprised at how I was able to enjoy this movie. My hopes were so low going in, just <laughs> like bottom of like bottom of the bar. Where is the bar? I was going to say the bar is on the floor. No, it's going to say bottom of it. the bar. Yeah. So, bottom
0: of the bar th- isn't an expression, is what you're yeah, struggling with.
1: I was torn between bottom of the barrel and the bar is so low, and I got really lost in my head. Anyway, this movie, I came in... I haven't been happy with a DreamWorks movie since, like, The Road to El Dorado.
0: Yeah, that feels right.
1: And this one, the animation was really... They had some really cool stuff going on. There were a lot of beautiful shots, and... I actually laughed at some of the jokes.
0: This might be the most imaginative DreamWorks movie we've seen.
1: Yeah, it really takes this like, prehistoric world and makes it very exciting. Like The animals are really cool. The little things like the evil plants. I guess How to Train Your Dragon. This is more in the vein of like a How to Train Your Dragon.
0: Right, and I think that's significant. Like Where The Croods fits into the arc of DreamWorks, where this actually shares a co-director. Chris Sanders with How to Train Your Dragon. And I think that shows. Yes, I agree. Chris Sanders is also one of the uh, credited writers of this movie. And I think starting with How to Train Your Dragon in 2010, which makes it a nice dividing line, we see a pivot away from the, especially digital DreamWorks movies of the first decade of the 2000s, which I think are really star-driven comedy vehicles that happen to be animated. So you've got, increasingly over time, Shrek movies are... Mike Myers and Eddie Murphy movies. Um, Your B movie is a Seinfeld movie. Shark Tale Tale. is a Will Smith movie. Even Kung Fu Panda, which is probably the best of those of the like most comedian-driven things, is still very much a Jack Black movie. Right. And with How to Train Your Dragon, there's this pivot towards, frankly, more story-driven,
1: imaginative storytelling,
0: (laughs) family fare.
1: Yeah. This movie, they went back to like really focusing on star power.
0: In terms of the casting.
1: In terms of the cast. I guess there's no one person driving it. But DreamWorks has always, feel like, gone for big names with the cast.
0: And this movie...
1: And that's a thing that
0: goes back to... Is wild. Jeffrey Katzenberg's influence. Because that was a thing that he pushed for when he came into Disney Animation as well.
1: Yeah, because this movie is Emma Stone, Ryan Reynolds, Nick Cage, Katherine Keener, and Cloris Leachman. Especially and those top three the guy are from the, the, the kind of people that
0: at the time felt like drawing in a big name for animation. yeah i mean katherine keener shows up in animation you're like i love katherine keener but it doesn't astonish me
1: yeah but they're still bringing in like they brought in cloris leachman who obviously is not a draw but she's still a big name yeah for like parents well grandparents <laughs> of
0: course some of these people now have done other animated work ryan reynolds is detective pikachu and it's so
1: sad that we can't get more detective pikachu
0: we do need more detective pikachu But uh,
1: I want more, like, fast-talking Ryan Reynolds Pikachu, but it just can't happen anymore.
0: Ah, you know, here's the deal. I feel confident in that universe to come up with some dumb excuse. You know, fair. And of course, Nick Cage achieved his greatest animation potential as Spider-Man Noir.
1: Oh, I forgot about him there. So good.
0: Yeah. So this is coming out during this transitional period for DreamWorks. Not only are they no longer their own independent studio distributing their own movies this is actually after their deal with paramount to distribute has ended so this is the first dreamworks movie distributed by 20th century fox so it's the start of yet another era for this studio that is simultaneously troubled yet keeps turning out hits and that's basically because of bad management
1: yeah this movie did better than i would have expected from how little i knew about it
0: in terms of the box office
1: because I literally remember seeing, like, a trailer for a caveman movie. And that is all I knew.
0: I was not aware of how successful it was. In part because anything that happened in animation this year was overshadowed once November hit and Frozen came out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, Frozen is such the animation juggernaut of 2013 that anything else is gonna kinda be forgotten.
1: Yeah. Rough year to be the Croods.
0: Right. we're like, the Croods... Gets Oscar and Golden Globe nominations that it's never going to win. It did win Annie Awards, which are the Animation Awards, for character design and character animation, which I think are well-earned. One of the things I appreciate about this movie is that a lot of those crappier DreamWorks movies that we mentioned have very samey-looking people. And there are very fun, distinct, kind of angular character designs in this that I enjoyed. And that's not even getting into all the creatures.
1: Yeah, I mean, every single character is just completely different design in this.
0: Yeah, they all Some have different are, shapes that are fun. Yeah,
1: the like basic shape of the body is entirely different.
0: Mark, what was your favorite weird creature in this movie?
1: Um, I really liked the like ostrich alligator whose egg they tried to steal after leaving the cave. Oh, that one's good. Yeah.
0: I liked the land whale the best. Oh, I forgot about the land whale. large whale with legs.
1: I loved the land whale. Like, all of the creatures were good. Yeah. They were all different and imaginative. And I also enjoyed the story of this too. Like, it was...
0: It's not complicated. It's very simple. But it is told with enough honesty that you're like, okay, let's do this.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's such a basic storyline of like... Girl wants to experience broader world as personified by young boy being held back by father personifying the old ways, and then they reconcile and everyone moves forward together.
0: But it's the kind of thing where so often these DreamWorks movies, especially of the previous decade, are undercutting the effectiveness of their storytelling because they constantly are trying to tell the audience that they are in on the joke like oh like you know this is all like really like sappy and cliched and we don't actually buy into it but when you let the characters invest in the honesty of their emotions and of their reality then you also get invested
1: i was very touched at the end me too when they, like, had their moment,
0: I thought it was really sweet. I'm pro crudes and this surprised me.
1: This surprised me. And, I mean, even some of the dumb things. Like, whenever they kept putting him back in the log, like, Guy would fall out of the log, and then they'd shove him back in the log and carry him with them as they walked. I found it funny every time. That stupid log somehow made me laugh. Like, they did really well with even just the simple animation stuff like that.
0: In part because, like, this movie's not mean in a way that a lot of those other ones are. Yeah. The characters, even when they don't like each other, with the exception, and we should talk about this, of Nick Cage and Cloris (laughs) Leachman. Yeah. With the exception (laughs) of that, even when they don't agree with each other, the characters aren't mean to each other. Right. And that makes that kind of slapstick stuff much more enjoyable because it doesn't feel malicious.
1: Right. They're just holding on to Guy. It's not malicious in its intent in putting him back in the log. They just are putting him in the log and that makes it even funnier. Just let people be nice to each other. I know. Honestly, DreamWorks learned the lesson of just people do respond to sincerity with this movie, I feel.
0: I think this is the most recent one that I've seen. So it will be interesting to see where things go.
1: Where does it go after this?
0: I mean, eventually the boss baby. I I don't actually think that's them. I think it might be universal.
1: I am so mad. No, I don't think it's them. Thank God. I was like, if I have to watch The Boss Baby.
0: ah, uh, nope, it is. <laughs> oh,
1: f- frick. Shout out to our good friend. <laughs> you know who you are, who loves The Boss Baby.
0: So, w- this was like the spring of 2017. I was going to be going to a party with one of her friends, and ahead of time, she's like, hey, do you want to go to the movies with me? And I said, what are you going to see? And she said, the Boss Baby. And I said a rare thing for me when someone invites me to the movies, which was no. Later on, I met up with her at the party and asked how it was, and she shouted, it was a triumph!
1: (laughs) I just can't imagine.
0: Have you looked at the trailer for the Boss Baby 2?
1: No, I saw someone tweet about how if the Boss Baby 2 isn't about a girl boss, like girl boss, boss baby, they're not going to watch it. And then I'm pretty sure that's what it's about.
0: So the Boss Baby 2, the premise is that Alec Baldwin, the boss baby, has grown up and is now a boss adult. And his brother has also grown up and is like a dad. The dad's daughter is a boss baby lady. And then she, for some reason, there's like something wrong with the Boss Baby Company. I'm not deep on the lore of this franchise, but there's something wrong with the Boss Baby Company. So she turns her dad and the Boss Adult both back into Boss Babies so that they can go undercover. And I don't know, this is a weird looking movie.
1: I, no, just no. Anyway, back to a good DreamWorks movie, The Croods. Croods! It was also much more romance-heavy than a lot of DreamWorks movies. Granted, it was entirely chaste, and there wasn't a single kiss.
0: The kiss hadn't been invented yet.
1: I mean, they did invent the hug in this movie, so... Right. You know, that is fair.
0: The funny thing is, like, I knew that there is some kind of romance in the sequel just because I had seen those two characters in a trailer, and I didn't realize that that was going to be the main thing in this movie.
1: I think that the movie actually is more pivoted around Eep and Grug's relationship. It is. But Guy is a much bigger part than I expected.
0: So. But. Go ahead. Mark, did this remind you of any other movies that we've seen together?
1: Mm, I mean, not off the top of my head.
0: Okay, because I spent a lot of time watching this thinking about Early Man.
1: I never. Wait. Oh, we did watch Early Man together. We movie passed. Oh, God. The halcyon days. The world used to be so bright.
0: For like 18 months, it was I flashed
1: that little red card. All of my dreams came true. Anyway, Early Man, it is kind of similar.
0: So I was thinking about that a lot because Early Man is similarly about, like, a small community of caveman people who discover that other humans have progressed beyond them and need to be guided into this new world. And I learned that I was not wrong to make that association because the first version of this movie was announced in 2005 as a DreamWorks Aardman co-production called Crude Awakenings. Which also makes the name make more sense because it's a pun.
1: Is a better name.
0: So they had been working on that. And then at the same time, John Cleese and Kirk D'Amico, who had written Quest for Camelot, that weird Warner animation movie from the 90s. So the two of them had been working on an adaptation of The Twits. And DreamWorks Animation invited them to like come and meet and see what was going on. And Cleese and D'Amico liked the caveman idea. And they came up with the road trip. So John Cleese has a story credit on this movie. And Ardman left the project to do their own thing, and eventually, like, some of the character design work they had done turned into Early Man. But then this just became a DreamWorks deal, where D'Amico, who had worked with Cleese, worked with Chris Sanders to write and ultimately direct the movie. Chris Sanders we talked about on our How to Train Your Dragon episode, because he had directed that movie, after directing Lilo and Stitch for Disney. So he was hired in part to make this movie, and then got moved over to Dragon, which is how this movie that was originally supposed to come out in, like, 2008 got delayed to 2013, and then it came out, and then its sequel kept getting delayed until it didn't come out until 2020.
1: I can't believe they're making a Crude's sequel seven years after the original.
0: It's weird.
1: It's weird. I would definitely not see it in theaters, but maybe someday, seven years from now, I'll watch Crude's 2.
0: If theaters were open today, I would now go see the Crude's movie.
1: Yeah, I, I was shocked at how... I mean, there were parts... It's not a masterpiece.
0: No. And Don't that's the weird wrong. thing about talking about it, where I was so unexpectedly charmed that I was like, because I was texting you, you hadn't seen it yet, and I was trying to be measured where like, it's not great, but it's surprisingly good.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's very enjoyable movie. Do you want to start talking about the content of it? Before we do,
0: I have to tell you two important things. One, Unlike many DreamWorks films, this did not premiere at the Cannes Film Festival. Instead, it premiered at the Berlin International Film Festival.
1: <laughs> my god.
0: <laughs> Number two, The Croods was the first movie ever screened in 4DX.
1: What? Yep. I, I can kind of see it. The quality was so much better than I expected on my TV. Yeah. Like you could see all of the whiskers on the like tiger cat thing. Now
0: just imagine like the 4DX where you can feel the whiskers brushing against your cheeks gross. And then like, I don't know, when they fall in the tar pit, maybe it splashed you.
1: I just thought that the quality on, like, they clearly put more work into this than I would have thought for the time. So it kind of makes sense that it was a novelty movie.
0: I have never been to a 40X screening, but I want to. The uh, AMC by my parents was installing the AMC version of 40X. Because in the US, 40X is just at Regal. They were installing the AMC and they like, just finished it up Right before movie theaters closed, so I was really excited to like a list into that, and theaters never reopened where I live. Oh, not that I would have gone anyway, but it has no. literally not been an option.
1: Maybe someday one day I want to see dude and 40 x that be I mean, watching blown dude on right our TVs, to my eyes, I know, but just imagine getting like sad
0: blasted straight to your face at the movie theater <laughs> <But> that's, why, <laughs> that's why you got to wear your still suit and they're t- tying the forty x to their cosplay sales. Oh my god.
1: Alright, so should we talk about the romance of the Croods? Yeah, might as well. So every week we break down the romantic plot line of the movie into five points to guide our discussion and to analyze how believable is it really at the end of the day. So this week, Will, will you guide us to point one of <laughs> the Croods, a name I say a lot because it's just so weird.
0: It's also the name of your neighbors, so you interact with the Croods pretty regularly. Yeah.
1: Okay. What?
0: So, alright, we have the family of the Croods, they are the last surviving caveman family because they're good at hiding, and every other family of cavemen has been, like, devoured by a monster.
1: Right. And they take caveman to an extreme because they do not leave their cave, which they keep closed and dark.
0: Right. Grog the dad tells stories most nights, and the moral of every story is always be afraid.
1: Never not be afraid.
0: It's a lesson that has kept them alive.
1: But, of course... There is the oldest child who yearns for more and she wants, wants to, to see in the
0: great wide somewhere.
1: Yeah, she wants to see what the world outside is like. A trope that's so original and you never would have expected it.
0: You know what though? Gets the job done. We let it pass in coming to America 2 weeks ago.
1: I mean, that trope is just so animated young girl.
0: But it's also like an effective But it's so metaphor effective for like I am a young person and I feel constrained by like whatever the details of my life are. And I want to get a sense of what the world is beyond my life.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a great setup. I mean, it is basically the story arc. I can't right. remember the Joseph Campbell story arc, exactly. but this is not a musical. So she did not sing an I want song, but the oldest daughter of this family Eep wants to know what else is out there. And one night she's sees an artificial light for the first time coming it in through like the cave. It felt
0: like a Peter Pan moment, like chasing her shadow.
1: Yeah, she was like chasing it around like a cat chasing a laser pointer, trying to catch the light. And she manages to push aside the giant rock that her dad puts in front of the cave every night. And this is where we meet Guy.
0: Tiger girl, we need to leave immediately. Ah! Ah! I don't even know you. Mm. I'm Guy. Guy. And this is Belt cook conversationalist navigator also keeps my pants up what are pants up who are you uh eep let me clarify eep the world is ending guy is played by ryan reynolds and he is a no longer a caveman he's just a man and among other things he has harnessed fire
1: so he has made a like triceratops looking thing into an outfit oh it's a boar
0: yeah it's like almost like a warthoggy kind of deal yeah it's great yeah
1: so he's Got like a warthog outfit on and he's holding a torch and Eep tries to catch the fire.
0: Of all the costumes, my favorite is Cloris Leachman as the mother-in-law who is like wearing a lizard skin with the tail still on it.
1: Uh, yeah, at one point I was like, she has a tail and it took me a second to realize what was actually going on.
0: I had the same thought process. Uh,
1: I also loved when they're figuring out how shoes work. The youngest daughter putting the starfish on and just getting like pulled around by the starfish.
0: I like that the, the one's son played by Clark duke just has a fish eating his feet as shoes
1: it's so great (laughs) because the other ones are wearing like cloth shaped shoes
0: also every time clark duke spoke i was just like if fiona were watching this she would call him plop
1: uh anyway so they meet and obviously they fight and it's a (laughs) very
0: she attacks him and bludgeons him with a rock and tries to claim the fire for herself
1: yeah, it's like, just
0: she is clearly the aggressor.
1: Oh, definitely. It's just such a classic meat fight. Cute.
0: Yeah, it's classic superhero team up logic of first they have to fight, then realize they're on the same side and team up. All right, Mark, right. what's your opinion on belt?
1: I love belt.
0: OK, I'm anti belt. I don't care. For really? Belt. belt is the like long armed lemur who literally serves as guy's belt.
1: I like sloths, and it's like a sloth. Alright. So that's all I needed.
0: I found him a little too winky.
1: I mean, he was definitely pushing the envelope and there were moments I didn't like him, but the movie had gotten me to the mindset where he said that his name is Belt and he holds up my pants and it's a little sloth and I giggled. Alright. <laughs> like I would I at the point that they introduced sloth, I had been bought in enough by the like film by the movie that I was on board and I was like, I'll roll with it.
0: Alright. So anyway, after Guy has been knocked out, Belt revives him with, like, electroshock rocks.
1: But the they're chest. just cold. The funny thing is, it's just they're cold. Because it's, you're like, a what? Electroshock? And they just goes, ah, those are cold. And I was like, ah, uh, got it.
0: So Guy is like, hi, the world is ending. You should come with me. And Eep says, nah. But he gives her a shell that she can blow on to call him for aid. Right. As Gondor would, perhaps, one day. I don't know. That's your road trip movie.
1: It's a great road trip movie. Anyway, uh this kind of brings us to point 2, the world ends for the crudes.
0: Huh. Hi. So your dad, he's trying to kill me. Yeah, but I won't let him. Right. The beginning of the movie implies that this is the breakup of Pangaea.
1: Right. Like the world is dramatically changing.
0: So like there are earthquakes all over, like the ground is splitting apart. Their cave yeah. gets destroyed.
1: Dust storms, bad weather. So their cave collapses and they have to explore this new world
0: they like cross over from the like arid like cavey desert kind of place where they've lived and it is like a pretty great moment of they emerge out of this dust and darkness into just this rich and lush jungle and that's again where this animation is just bursting with ideas yeah. all over the frame
1: and life
0: there are even, like, goofy creatures. Like, I love the frog that has the giant flower-looking thing on it so that the carnivorous flowers won't eat it.
1: The lemurs that are connected by the same tail.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're like bolas.
1: They're great. Like, the animal design in this is really good.
0: So they are going through and encountering some of the animals. Nicholas Cage, the dad Grug, keeps insisting that they find a new cave because they're cave people and what they do is hide in caves. And unfortunately, they eventually wind up in this field where murder flamingos attack them. <laughs>
1: Those birds were kind of scary.
0: They're kind of like winged piranhas, kind of like flamingos that eat you to death.
1: Yeah, because they managed to like reduce a land whale to bones in 10 seconds or less.
0: God, I love the land whales.
1: So Guy had given Eep a shell earlier to blow onto Colin, but the family destroyed it. But she manages to make another horn and summons Guy because she was very pro-Guy while her family was anti-Guy because he was new.
0: Right. They are against all new things because new things could kill you. But Guy shows up brandishing fire to ward off the murder flamingos and then immediately tries to protect her from her family because he's like, these are monsters and you need to be saved from them too. Right.
1: She doesn't take too kindly to that. No. But then they all agree to move together towards the mountains, which look like the dueling spires from Zelda Breath of the Wild.
0: Um... The Croods predates Breath of the Wild. The thing in Breath of the Wild looks like the mountain from the Croods. Okay, fair point.
1: So they all kind of agree to go together. Guy tries to break away, but this is where they put him in the log to have him lead the way towards the mountain. So
0: this is sort of our point number three where Eep and Guy are like mostly getting along, but a little bit hostile. Okay,
1: now you can look. They're still there. Oh, oh, okay.
0: Oh, cool. oh. oh, you are really heavy. Really? Thank you.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's kind of classic animated movie play, fight, work together, hate each other while building a love story. Yeah. They l- work together to try and fool a bird with some puppets.
0: All the puppet work is fun, and I also like the implication that Guy is, like, a master puppeteer who's frequently fooling predators.
1: Yeah, it's great. I love the puppets.
0: Where they're, like, putting together, like, fruit and flowers and stuff like that to look like these monsters. And the goal is always to use the puppet to seduce a monster so that they can, like, steal its eggs or trick it into going to a tar pit or whatever. So they're not just puppeteers. They are seductive puppeteers.
1: But... The whole time Grug is very much against Guy and in particular hates him.
0: Right. Which kind of feels like the weakest aspect of the movie, which is that, like, I get that Grug doesn't like new things and wants to stay in caves, but the degree to which he seems specifically hostile to Guy and Eep being in love with each other is, like, a little bit dull.
1: Yeah, that's, like, the most boring part. And they managed to actually tie it off nicely at the end by having Grug and Eep actually reflect on their own relationship instead of Grug's relationship with Guy being the, like, changing aspect. Like, his relationship to Guy does change, but the role of Guy is to help Grug see what's wrong with his relationship with Eep. Right. Which I enjoyed. Even if, at this point, it was bad and annoying to have the classic, like, Man don't like daughter, have boyfriend. But yeah, so that kinda brings us to point four. There's not a ton of plot to this movie, and a lot of it is visual, so it's kinda like tough to talk about this movie because a lot of it is just how pretty it is and visual humor. So the one other thing I'd that recommend I like it.
0: in kind of the hostile area is when they have dueling story time late at night, where Grug tells another of his stories, the point of which is all new things are bad, especially this dude. And then Guy tells his own story, which is like Guy's origin story about how he became an orphan and his parents told him to make it to tomorrow, but he seems to have taken it literally. And so his goal is to just like, March west until he can ride the sun like some kind of mythical figure to the magical land of tomorrow. It sounds a little bit like the children from Mad Max Beyond the Thunderdome, but it also is told in the kind of mythic level where I was like, maybe they're gonna ride the sun.
1: I kind of liked that they added something where Guy wasn't just perfect. Like he knows everything, he is the smartest person. Like he also is a dreamer.
0: I will say. I wanted them to literally ride the sun.
1: Yeah, me too. But I think this story is really when Eep is just like admits like I like Guy and they start flirting even more intensely.
0: Yeah. Which takes us really to point number 4 like you were saying. My daughter is a lot like you. No. She's like you. She loves you but always forgets to say it. Just like you forget to tell her. <laughs> I guess I was just busy keeping them all alive.
1: It's okay. That's what dads do. Right. So as they go through their journey at this point, now they're like off together a lot. They're holding hands and Grug is growing increasingly angry about it.
0: This is when Guy makes shoes for all of them and... This is also the part where they get separated for a while. They're trying to cross this, like, cracked earth area, and they all wind up slipping and going down different pathways. Guy and Eep wind up in this, like, crystal cavern that's just gorgeous, because all the light is filtering Mm -hmm. through these crystals. This is one of the places where they, like, almost kiss.
1: And then Grug can't get around the log that he had thrown so far away earlier in the movie.
0: (laughs) To show how strong he was.
1: Yeah, so he threw the log very far after Guy was like, get rid of the log, and then now he is trapped behind it and can't go forward.
0: I'm realizing that I repeatedly in my notes referred to Clark Duke's character as Gene because I associated him so strongly with Gene Belcher. I mean,
1: that's essentially what his character is.
0: Yeah, the large enthusiastic son.
1: Yeah, who doesn't really serve a point in this movie. But throughout this, Eep's mom is growing much more fond of Guy, too. Like, everyone else in the family is kind of switching allegiance from Grug to Guy.
0: In part because he has these new ideas that are successfully getting them across the landscape.
1: Right, like, the learning is showing that it's important.
0: I will say, the most, like, hashtag get caged moment that we see in this movie is when Grug decides to show that he is just as smart as Guy and so he's just like listing all of these ideas which usually involve him throwing or smashing stuff
1: (laughs) with that weird like fake dreadlocks it's a great great montage it was really weird but eventually they make it to the mountain and Grug finds a cave but Eep decides she's gonna go with Guy to tomorrow obviously tomorrow doesn't exist but at this point oh there's another earthquake
0: Right, where the that land is what gets- what happens. Yeah, the land splits, and so Grug is like, fine, I can help you. And so Grug is hurling them one by one across this chasm, which means that ultimately he is going to be left behind. It's
1: sad. It's sad. I was sad. I. It got me. It got me. I was upset. But then Grug uses his brain and his ideas in point five-
0: Murder flamingo balloon! To
1: harness the murder flamingos to fly across and rescue the little animals, too. And they make it across the chasm together.
0: It's great. Point five, everyone goes off together. One, two, three, four, five, six, and seven. All and a half.
1: And Grug and wife. I don't remember his name, have fully accepted Eep and Guy's relationship and everyone's happy.
0: Yay! The
1: end. Lovely little movie, hard to talk about in a audio medium because it is heavily visual.
0: I recommend The Croods. It but I recommend The Croods. Sumptuous to look at little family comedy.
1: So Will, after watching all of The Croods, do you find the romance believable?
0: I don't know. More than not.
1: I mean, it seems that they are both the first person of the same age to which they are attracted they have ever met. So right. I and buy you
0: know, it. We've talked a lot about how when we're evaluating the believability of a romance, we need to account for like how long a relationship would be in that time period. Like getting to a marriage in the 1940s would happen much more quickly than getting to a marriage today in 2021. But, you know, I'm sure that process is even shorter in the age of the crudes.
1: I mean, the other thing is they don't end In a marriage, they end dating. Right. (laughs) Like, we don't know where they are in their relationship because they don't even kiss. Uh, So I find it actually pretty believable.
0: So every week we rate the believability of a romance on our 10-point scale, where zero means we believe none of it and 10 means we believe all of it. Where would you rank the Croods?
1: Um, uh, probably like an eight, honestly. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I mean, why not?
1: He does get over being beat up really fast.
0: One of the things is, like, we don't entirely know how many days pass.
1: No, uh, another gag I did love in this movie is when the fire goes out the first time and Grug tries to squeeze it out of Guy's mouth.
0: I love a lot of the fire business. Yeah, for starters, there's all the debate about like is it a new sun,
1: and like <laughs> when it has babies and they just keep lighting everything on fire. All right, they start a wildfire. <laughs> when the sun's on fire, they go to put it out. Run through that tall dry grass. <laughs> Uh, Anyway, do you think that Guy and Eep are dateable?
0: Um, I mean, let's keep one thing in mind. If it's like me now dating either of them, they've never bathed. Um,
1: I'm going to go with probably no, because Guy's kind of smug.
0: Eep is like borderline feral. and The baby is actually feral.
1: (laughs) Yeah, the baby just growls.
0: And he's like lightning fast and like bites things. Like the baby is their attack dog.
1: Right. Do you think Guy and Eep will stay together?
0: Oh, uh, probably.
1: There are no other people, so I think by default they will.
0: I think that's maybe the premise of the new one, for which I only saw a TV spot, that maybe mm. there are more cavemen.
1: If you did have to choose one person to date, who would it be?
0: Probably Katherine Keener.
1: Yeah, I was going to say Eep's mom is probably the one.
0: Yeah, you don't want to date mother-in-law because, again, we kind of glossed over this. She and Nicolas Cage are working to murder each other for the not. No, that's not true. They're not working to murder each other. They are actively hoping for one another's death.
1: Yeah, it's not like Grug is trying to kill her, but in accomplishing a goal, when he hears that she might die from shock, he decides to double down because he sees this as a benefit.
0: Right. He gets excited every morning when she hasn't emerged yet, thinking maybe she died overnight.
1: Right. Um, so neither of them. Will, many of the movies we've seen are adapted into stage musicals. Do you think there should be a Croods stage musical? Yes fascinating
0: because the story is simple enough to work. I mean, we talked about how it's like the, you know, young girl, I want thing we've seen dozens of musicals with that narrative. I want to see the puppets.
1: Yeah. I think think you do all the fun animals
0: and stuff as puppets. And that would be cool.
1: The puppets and projection work together could be really cool for this movie.
0: Yeah. And I think it's a simple enough story that you don't have to like do a lot of work to get it to function on the stage.
1: All right. Um, I think that's about it for the Crudes. Would recommend if you are looking for a nice little animated movie.
0: Yeah, I gotta say, did not expect when I sat down to watch this movie that I would wind up recommending The Croods, but I really do.
1: Yeah, it's strange.
0: DreamWorks continues to surprise us. All right. Next week, Mark, this one's for you. We are watching the 1972 screwball comedy, What's Up Doc?, starring Barbara Streisand, Ryan O'Neill, and Madeline Kahn.
1: Two of whom matter a lot to me, one of whom I don't know who they are, and I believe that- I thought you
0: liked Madeline Kahn. Uh, I've got that Ryan O'Neill post, like, (laughs) portrait painted over your bed. It's (laughs) right on the wall, too. Like, that's going to be a pain (laughs) if you move.
1: I was really confused (laughs) what you were saying. I like your joke. Alright, until then, you can follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at LoveLovePod, and you can email us questions or movie suggestions at LoveTheLovePod at gmail.com.
0: Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Reviews on Apple Podcasts in particular help new people to find the show.
1: Alright, Well, last question. What's the best piece of dating advice we got from the Croods? Um? My first thought was, you know, maybe not even if you were the last person on Earth isn't so true. <laughs> try being the only two eligible singles in the world.
0: I'm gonna say, for the most part, it is a good idea to share what you know. Like, don't be an obnoxious know-it-all kind of thing, but, like, if you know about something, it's cool to talk about what you know and what you're interested in.
1: And be a storyteller. Yeah. Alright, there you go. Until next time, I'm gay.
0: And I'm a ginger. So between the two of us, we know everything there is to know about romance.
1: Bye! Bye. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: i hold your baby very tight His way with women was rather neat Love a girl right off her feet You know the lyric writers never lied Where they got the same story I rock with a
1: caveman